Today we are studying on prayer. In the book of Luke chapter 11 verse 1, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Jesus was praying somewhere. And if you study the life of Jesus, you realize that most of the time he, he, he prayed alone with other disciples. A few times he went with them, they slept along the way. It's sad why it happens that way. But So this one, he was praying alone. And when he ended the prayer, one of his disciples came to him, we don't know who, and said, teach us to pray. This scripture tells you that prayer is something that should be taught. But you also see here that it should be taught by people who are prayerful. Uh-huh. So it's not every book on prayer you should read. If the person himself doesn't pray, because there are many people who talk about prayer who don't pray. Yeah, I heard about this conference uh, in Europe way back during the revival days, and uh, they had a conference, and one of the speakers on the conference came and spoke passionately about prayer. How men of God must pray, how Christians must pray. And in the night, they had a, a midnight prayer. <laughs> and the guy who preached on the prayer didn't show up. <laughs> so Jesus was praying. They looked at his prayer, the way he prayed. And I'm sure they, they were touched by the fact that when he prayed, he gets results from his prayer. So... They said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And then they said, just like John also taught his disciples. In the Gospels, you'll see many places where Jesus actually did a lot of teaching on prayer, and we'll be looking at some of them today and the rest during the month. So what is prayer? What is prayer? Many people have very many different definitions of prayer, but the simplest definition of prayer is talking to God. Prayer is talking to God. Anytime you talk to God, you are praying, talking to God. Whether you do it quietly, loudly, whether in church or alone in your house or in the office, anytime, anywhere you are talking to God, you are praying. And sometimes in talking to God, we make requests for things. Sometimes we don't make requests. You know that sometimes we talk to God without making any requests. Sometimes we talk to God by thanking him. We talk to God by worshiping him. We talk to God by even asking him questions. So prayer is not just asking God for your needs. Because it's not every time you should ask God for your needs. Sometimes you just need to talk to him. Amen. Amen. The book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, verse 6 says... Be anxious for what? Nothing. Be anxious about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious about nothing. Anxious means worried. Now, is it possible for us to live without being worried? It's not that easy. Is, that, is it easy? 
No, it's not easy because every day we wake up to meet challenges and issues, uncertainties and needs and everything needs. So naturally, we are all worried all the time about at least one thing or another, every one of us. But the Bible said we should not be worried. The reason why God said we should not be worried is because worrying doesn't solve a problem. Worrying doesn't solve any problem. Worrying can rather give you a lot of stress. Worrying can depress you. Worrying can make you not to eat well. It will make you not to sleep well. It will make you not to even concentrate on your work in the office. Worrying can make you not even dress well. Sometimes you can forget to comb your hair because of worrying. I watched some advert where a man went to the office in boxer shorts with his suit, with the, his top jacket on, shirt, tie, boxer short, and his briefcase. Worrying can make you be crossing the road and a car is coming, but you can't even tell the car is coming. The car will be blowing the horn, but you can't even hear that it's blowing the horn. Worrying can make you drive straight into another car without seeing it. Worrying can do a lot of harm. Worrying can make you not behave well towards the people you relate with. Worrying is very destructive. It solves no problems. And the worst part of worrying is that it can even destroy you before the solution to the problem arrives. You know, it can destroy you. I have spoken to people. I said, God is going to change this situation, but make sure you don't die before the change arrives. Because worrying can kill you. Worrying can raise your blood pressure. And when your blood pressure is always high, it opens you up to all manner of health challenges. It's, it triggers other health challenges to attack you. So when the Bible says be anxious about nothing, it's a very important instruction that life won't stop bombarding you with challenges and difficulties and uncertainties and needs and problems. Life will never stop bombarding you. But you have to come to the place of living without worries. Jesus said, you cannot worry and increase your height. Jesus said, by worrying, you cannot even increase your height. But the solution to a life of worries is here in this scripture. How do we overcome worries? How do we come to the place where we stop worrying and we live a life of peace in the midst of the storms and the challenges? You are, you are very peaceful. You are able to sleep well. You are able to eat well. You are able to live healthy. You are able to go about your normal life despite the challenges. You are still able to keep yourself together, self-composure. You are able to, you know, be the best you can be. Work well, despite the many things that are bombarding you. Focus well. Relate with your spouse well. Relate with your children well. Relate with your friends well. Despite every bombardment, how are you able to do that? The Bible said that in everything, everything, by what? Prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The only solution to a life of worries is that you must have a prayerful life. You must be a praying Christian. You must know how to pray well. 
And he said, in everything, everything you are going through, you can put it before God in prayer. Everything worrying you, every need in your life, every situation of your life, God says, don't only pray about certain things and then leave the rest and handle it by yourself. Everything. Everybody say everything. everything. In everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That means you pray and you do supplication. I'll explain what supplication is. Then you do what? You thank God. You make your request to God with thanksgiving. Why? Because you know, once you put it before him, he's able to do something about it that worry cannot do about. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says that when we pray, well, what happens? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you pray, well you will come to the place of unexplainable peace. People can understand why you are just calm and you are just fine. People can understand why you are still happy. As if sadness will solve the problem. Sadness won't solve the problem, so why not get happy? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. When you develop a very dynamic prayer life, you always have peace. And you always see solution to your problems. You always see God answering your prayer all the time and giving you testimonies. Every day is giving you something to celebrate, something to rejoice about. And then you begin to understand, ah, I prayed yesterday about this need and God answered it and provided a need. It means what I'm going through today, when I pray about it again, God will answer. So it gives you peace. The only Christians who don't enjoy the peace of God are those who refuse to pray. So I want to encourage all of us that prayer is a very important subject. And when you have peace, it gives you strength. You are very healthy. It enables you to focus well, to go about your life very well, whilst you wait for the solution to come, because it will surely come. Prayerful people will always see solutions. And I, I want to announce to somebody that there is a solution coming to your problem. Amen. I said there's a solution coming to your problem. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. There are two important Greek words that are translated as prayer in English. So in the New Testament, there are two important Greek words. The first Greek word that was interpreted prayer is uh, the Greek word prosioke. It means to make a request for help, to make a request to God. The second Greek word is deisis. This word is also interpreted prayer. but It means to petition God or to petition someone or to entreat. To entreat means to make an urgent appeal, an urgent, persistent appeal. It is that same word that is interpreted supplication. Most of the time when you see prayer anywhere, you see the word supplication, prayers and supplications. Prayer is more general. It has to do with making a request. But supplication is 
a more crucial word because it means to petition. You know, the word petition is, is a legal word. It is to appeal for something to be done on the basis of justice. So in the courts, sometimes lawyers petition the judge on the basis of law. That means they are demanding that the rights of a client should be granted on the basis of law. So the word supplication, it means prayer, but it is a prayer that is making demand on the basis of what? Law, on the justice of God. We will see this in many places. In fact, we've already seen it in Philippians 4, 6. He said, in everything by prayer and what? Supplication. If you look at the book of um, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, he said, therefore, I exhort first of all that what? Look at it. He said what? Supplications, uh -huh. prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Okay. Now, if you look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, many, many places from today, you begin to see it as you look at scripture that talk about prayer. I said, then I set my face toward the Lord to make what? To make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I'll come back to this word supplication and explain it further. But the scriptures we just read, look at this one before we go back to the First Timothy 2. You see different kinds of prayer being mentioned. So my next important point is that there are different kinds of prayers. There are different kinds of prayers. It says, I set my face towards the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. If you go to 1 Timothy 2 verse 1, it said, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. How many prayers do you see there? How many different kinds of prayer do you see there? Four different kinds. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. So there are different kinds of prayers. I've put seven here on my slide. If you read the book of um, Ephesians 6.18, Ephesians 6, 18, when we're, last year when we studied the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, we saw that part of the spiritual armor is prayer. Now, Paul said something. He said, praying always with all prayer. That means different kinds of prayer. If it's only one prayer, you can't say all. Is it correct? Is it correct English? Can you say all to one person? It has to be different different people. Praying always with what? All prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. In fact, so this scripture tells you there are different kinds of prayer. I want to give you them, seven of them. Number one, prayer of adoration. It means thanksgiving, worship, and praise. A few minutes ago, I was asking all of us to thank the Lord. That is adoration. And it's important for you to know how to thank God every day. Don't just wake up and use God like a machine. You wake up, say, God, okay, I'm awake now, and you know I'm going for work. 
I have a lot to do today. So number one, protect me. Number two, provide all my needs. Number three, number four, number five. And when you finish, you say amen. That is using God as a machine. God is not a machine. God is a loving, caring father. So you must show gratitude to him. Thank him for his protection over your life, preservation. Thank him for providing your needs. Thank him for your family. Thank him for your children. Thank him for your health. Thank him for everything, your work, all that is going on. Even thank him for your problems. Why? Because you know he can solve them. And through the problems, he can reveal himself in your life and give you a testimony. So thanksgiving is what? An expression of gratitude. I hope you remember that. It's the expression of what? Gratitude. Praise is an expression of God's greatness. So we, we thank God for what he has done. We praise God for who he is. And worship is the expression of honor to God. Honor. You worship him and honor him. So in the book of Acts 13 verse 2, we see prayer of adoration. Acts 13 verse 2, he said, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. If you look at the NIV, I think, the word ministered there means they were worshiping. Okay, so you see it. While they were what? Worshiping the Lord and fasting. They never prayed. They were fasting, but that day, they decided they were not going to ask God for anything. They had problems. They had needs, but they decided that today we will just worship the Lord, honor him exalt him, praise him. And the reason why adoration is very important, the Bible said, enter his presence with war, thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. So when you know the protocol for assessing God's presence, it's very simple. Thank him, praise him, worship him. If you're a Christian who wants to be very dynamic and have an effective prayer life, you must know how to thank the Lord all the time. How to worship God. How to worship God without any apology to anybody. How to worship God with all your heart. The same way you devote your, you pray with zeal and vim. You must also worship God like that. You can't be casual in worship. And then when you say, let's correct the devil, then, you know, you take position, you know. And they say, devil, today you are about to die. No, no, no. You must also be able to worship God like that with all your zeal. I mean, when you're in God's house, you can't be, you know, behaving as, as if you are so big that you cannot release yourself and look at where he took you from and how far you have come and appreciate God. The Bible said one day David went to the temple and he went to sit on the floor sit on the ground, and he said, God, what is this? Why do you love me like this? I was a rejected boy in the house, considered useless, and taking care of sheep in the bush. Why did you bless me like this? Look at me now in the palace. Every battle I go, I win. Now you have even decided that the throne will not depart from my house, that my children and my grandchildren are the only ones that will rule over the whole nation of Israel. David did not say, oh, I am a king because I deserve it. You know, sometimes that's how we behave in church. When you refuse to worship God, you are indirectly saying 
I end what I am. And you are very deceived when you think like that. You did not earn what you are. It's the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God. Now, anytime you go to the mortuary, eh? I think once a while, some of you should go to the mortuary. All your pride will leave you. Mortuary, an emergency ward, either 37 or callable, emergency ward, just go there, see human beings. Hands are broken, sometimes leg has removed. You go to the mortuary, you see people lying there, great men, great people, wealthy people, renowned people. Then you see that we human beings, we are nothing without God. So when you come to church, or even when you are home, wherever you are, sometimes put your pride, your beauty, your qualifications, your strength, put everything aside, eh? And just appreciate God, worship God. Reduce yourself, humble yourself before God and say, God, I'm grateful. It's very important. Prayer of adoration. So, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, they were worshiping, and God began to talk to them because they were also talking to God. All right, the second prayer is the prayer of supplication. Supplication, I've said a little about it already. Um, it means to petition God. Isaiah 43 says that very well. Isaiah 43, 26, it says what? Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Do you see words that are very familiar to the courtroom? Yeah. That is petition. You petition God. And I said, we petition on the basis of law and justice. Now, what law do you use to petition God? His word. His word. Lord, your word says, Jesus took my infirmities and carried all my diseases on the cross. And by his stripe, I am healed. So on the basis of this, I take authority over my body and I rebuke every sickness in my body and I command that sickness to go in the name of Jesus. What are you doing? You are praying, but you are doing supplication. You are making a demand on the basis of law, appealing to the justice of God that you don't have to be sick, that you don't have to be sick because he did a complete work concerning your, your healing. And the good thing about life is every problem you have, there's a scripture verse that speaks to that problem. Every problem you have. So if you need protection, Lord, it is written in your word. The Lord shall preserve me from all evil. He will preserve my going out and my coming in. Your word says the angel of the Lord surround those who fear God to deliver them. So, Today, as I'm going out, I'm praying in the name of Jesus for preservation. Release your angels over my life, over my car, and I declare in the name of Jesus that the covering of God is my portion. You are doing supplication. 
Supplication is when you petition God on the basis of his word. All right. The third kind of prayer is intercession. Isaiah 59, 16, the Bible said that God wondered that there was no intercessor on the land. What is intercession? Praying for others. Intercession is what? Praying for others. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Intercession is very important because everybody needs God's intervention. Anytime you pray for people, you are extending the hand of God to reach them. So you must know how to pray over for your spouse, pray for your children, pray for your family members. Last week we were praying for our family, your uncles, your aunties, your parents if they are alive, your siblings, your cousins, your nephews, nieces. You must make intercession for your family. Then you must pray for your nation. First Timothy 2 verse that we read, it said that prayers, supplication, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Can you give me First Timothy 2 verse 1 again? All men. Sometimes you have to pray for others. He said, therefore, I thought, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercessions. He put it in plural. Intercessions. And giving of thanks be made for what? Everybody needs prayer. Everybody needs prayer. So pray for people. Don't wake up every day. It's only about you. Only about you. Only about you. Only about you. Some of you, even your spouse, you can't pray for your spouse. Every day you are accusing your spouse. Every day you are criticizing your spouse. But you never pray for your spouse. Anytime you are fasting, it's about you alone. Why? Sometimes you have to intercede for your boss. Sometimes you have to intercede for your colleagues at work. And it is through intercession that God begins to show you things. If you don't intercede, you will never see anything about people. And when God shows you things about people, it's not so that you can brag that you can see into the spirit. It is so that you can pray about it. So that you can pray about it. Especially if it's a negative thing. When God shows you something negative about somebody, like you see somebody dead, you can't just rush to the person and say, hey, my sister, <laughs> trouble is in the corner. <laughs> but some of you, that's what you like. You know, I'm your pastor. I see a lot of things about you. I pray for you without telling you. Then you met a man of God who said, hey, I see death. Ah, I see death. Next week, you are going to die. Bring an offering so that I can cancel it for you. You know, one day a church member said, hey, so... So many things are about to happen to me, and my pastor didn't see it. You know, sometimes there are things you hear that makes you think your pastor doesn't pray for you. But any matured person will not see negative things like death and tell you. That one can even kill you faster. And most of the times, the places you go, they tell you are about to die. It's all because they want your money, because they know if you, you hear death, whatever amount they call you, give. And I'm here praying for you. Give me your money. To eat, you won't give me. You won't give me. You will never give me. Some of you have never ate your money before. But you are giving it to people as, hey, you are about to die. Hey, your son. Your son, if we don't do some fasting, your son will die before the end of the year. And you believe that another prophet somewhere, his prayer can protect your son more than your pastor's prayer. That is very, very unfortunate. So verse 1 says we should pray for all men. Verse 2 says, for kings, that means governments, heads of states. It doesn't matter whether you are an MPP member or NDC member. Whatever decision they make up there affects all of us. Yeah, so we have to keep praying, Lord. It's not about whether I love whoever is there or not. 
but so that there will be peace in this nation, so that our children and our grandchildren will live in a country they can be proud of and be happy about. Yeah, we have to pray. Look at the mess in our educational system. Somebody sits there and say, holidays next week. You ask the teachers, when is the next vacation? They said, we don't know. <laughs> and you are sitting there, you won't pray. Meanwhile, you have children who are going to such school. You are there talking, talking, talking. No, they're talking. We don't care what you are saying there. You are, in fact, what you are saying is even noise in our ears. So instead of talking, 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 let's pray for our rulers. Pray for the government. Not because you love them. Not because you like them. But you still have to pray. For king, and, and not only for the president of our nation, but for other presidents. Because there are some presidents, when they make a decision, it will affect you right here. Do roads, build schools, hospitals. When they get money, nuclear weapons, then they parade it. And then the people who are hungry are clapping. <laughs> to see weapons. What are you going to do with all those weapons? We need to pray. Because one day if he says, oh, send one to Africa. Send one to, uh, then we, yeah. So we need to pray for world leaders because the peace of our world depends on how they think for kings and all those who are in authority so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. The church in Ukraine is completely destroyed. The work of God in Ukraine is messed up for some time. I know a pastor used to be in SGC. He started a church in Ukraine. He had to, they had to leave with only one bag. He and the wife and the children. They've lived in Ukraine for like 15 years thereabouts. Built a life. They had to leave everything. Leave their house. Leave their cars. Leave everything. Leave the church members. And now they are staying in Germany. They had to start life all over. Because one person decided to go to war. But his decision is affecting us. So intercession is very important. Sometimes when the Spirit of God is prompting you to pray, like pray for your boss, whatever you are working, your CEO, go if you decide that we are laying people off, that's it. Intercession is very important. Then we need to pray for our communities. We need to pray for our church. Some of you don't pray for your church, but you criticize your church. We need to pray for our churches. We need to pray for men of God. All right, so prayer of intercession. The fourth kind of prayer is a prayer of devotion. Devotion means consecration. Dedicate yourself to God. You know, sometimes you should go to God and do what? Surrender your whole life to him. That is devotion. The, the, Jesus was praying. He said, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but your will. You see, Jesus was saying, I don't want to go to the cross, but if it's your will, I surrender to it. That's the prayer of devotion. Are you with me? Yeah. Going to God and saying, my whole life is yours. I give you my life. Do whatever you want to do with me. I, my time is yours. My money is yours. <laughs> That one is difficult to say, isn't it? At least say, my life is yours, my time is yours. <laughs> don't say, my money is yours if you don't mean it. But sometimes, real devotional prayer, you should be able to go ahead and say, my money is yours. Because actually, it's for him. 
It is the lack of understanding that makes you think it's yours. It's for him. You are just a custodian. And one day you leave it and go. Devotion. Number five, prayer of agreement. Agreement means two people agreeing on something to pray about. In Matthew 18, from verse 19, it says, Again, I say to you that if two shall what? If two shall. So sometimes you need somebody you can trust. Please don't try this one with everybody. In, in the early days of, uh, of our Christian faith, we used to have something we call prayer partner. Now it's not there anymore because these days it's difficult to trust people. But at least this one can work most in our homes. There are issues you should believe God with your spouse. Let's agree and pray about this. Sometimes it may involve joining your hands and pray. Sometimes you may not even be together. You can be in America, another person in Australia, but we still agree. It works. If two shall agree on earth concerning what? Anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So prayer agreement is very powerful because it amplifies the faith level as another level altogether. So you must be able to pray, prayer of agreement. All right. The sixth kind of prayer is welfare, which you know a lot about. That's what you like. Then the last kind of prayer is congregational prayer which you also know about. That is what we do here. Acts 12, by 5, verse, he said that the church prayed continually for Peter. You remember that scripture? Yeah, he said, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayers was offered to God for him by the church. So there are times when we should have prayer meetings. That's why in July I do prayer services, congregational prayer, and it produces a lot of results. Look at what happened with this story. Peter was released from prison. That means every time we come together and we pray diligently about issues, there's an intervention. Some of you don't like coming to prayer services, like our Friday night prayer. You don't like coming. You are home. But congregational prayer is very powerful. In fact, it is the most powerful of all if it is done well. If it is what? If it is done well. Some prayer meetings, you know that they don't know what they are doing. They don't know what they are doing because the whole prayer is messed up. Okay, so I want to talk about principles of prayer. Number one principle that we important principle we should know is that God hears prayer. Psalm 65, 2, verse 2. He said what? Oh, you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. Why else would people go to God if he didn't hear prayer? <laughs> Any way you see people going to a particular place, whether it is a shrine, <laughs> why are the people going there? Because they know they'll get results. So, the reason why God decided to answer prayer is so that people can come to him. Um, so, God hears prayer. Everybody say, God hears prayer. God. Every time you pray well, God hears you. And please, God hears you because you have prayed well. Now, it does nothing to do with how you felt when you were doing the prayer. It has to do with your faith. It doesn't do with how you felt. And prayer doesn't travel through physical space. Sometimes I hear people say the prayer just hit the ceiling and came back and hit, uh, to me. I hear people say Satan blocked the prayer from reaching God. God is a spirit. And where God is, is not a distance. It's a dimension. Prayer doesn't travel. So when you pray right now, it doesn't take like, okay, now the prayer is going, it's going, it's going, 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 going. After... 30 minutes or one hour, then it will reach God. No, 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 no. Prayer is a dimension. Do you understand dimension? 
Let me give you an example of dimension is if you have a radio here and you tune your radio to FM, but you need a transmitter, you need a radio. If you don't have the radio, they are far away, okay? So that's it. God is in heaven, but he's here. If you enter your prayer closet, you are right in his presence. Look at 1 Peter 3.12. 1 Peter 3.12. Can we all read it together? For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. How many are righteous here? Okay, who is a righteous person? Who is a righteous person? A righteous person is anyone who has given his life to Jesus. A righteous person is who? Anyone who has given his life to Jesus. Anyone who believes in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and giving his life to Jesus is righteous. Now, the eyes of the Lord are upon who? The righteous. That means including you. Put your right hand on your chest and say, God's eyes are always watching me. Isn't that a wonderful feeling? Yeah. Did you feel good? Yeah. That the almighty God, despite all he's doing, running the whole universe, with all his problems on the earth, he still could zero down on you all the time, watching you. This can make you very relaxed, isn't it? Yeah. His eyes, put your right hand over your chest one more time and say, his eyes are always watching me. And the next thing is that he's not only watching you, but his ears are hot, open to your prayers. Because I knew the question that was on your mind. I know most of you, when I said God is always watching, the question you're asking is, so why did he leave me this way? Did you think like that? The answer is there. His eyes are watching you, but he can't do anything about your situation until you ask him to. He can't do anything about your situation until you ask him to do it. So you can die in your problem. He'll say, well, I love my child. Maybe that's what he wants. Anything you want, God will grant it. If you want to die right now, God will grant it. Oh, yeah. He will just grant it. Really? You are sure? That, is that what you want? Is that what will make you happy? Die. He's a loving father. So God hears prayer. Now, number two principles that God answers prayer. It's not enough for somebody to hear. That's the difference between human beings and God, isn't it? Sometimes the annoying part of life is you go to somebody with a problem and a person will be, sit down patiently and quietly and hear all that you have to say. Then he said, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you have also said everything already. Things you don't even want the person to know. But God, when you go to him, he can never tell you I'm sorry. He can never tell you I'm sorry. He can never tell you circumstances beyond my control. He can never tell you that. No, 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 no. Jeremiah 33 verse 3, he said, Call unto me, and I will what? Answer you. And show you great and mighty things that you don't know anything about. God's eyes are watching you, but he's waiting for you to say, Father, I need help here. He hears it, and he answers it. Now, the issue about answers to prayer is that he decides, number one, how to answer it, when to answer it. And that's our problem. Now, look at the scripture again. It said, call unto me, and I will what? And the question is, when is he going to answer? He didn't state. How is he going to answer? He didn't state. The problem with most of us is, 
When we pray, we are also telling him how he should answer it. In fact, who he should use. Matthew 7 verse 7, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Ask and what? It will be given. How? That one is left up to God. When? It's up to God. Does it mean sometimes you cannot pray and tell God when you need the intervention? Sometimes you should. Depending on the situation. Hello? Yeah, sometimes depending on the situation, you should be able to tell God, Lord, for instance, when we are doing our New Year prayer requests, we are focusing the request to a particular period, isn't it? So we are doing a request for 2023. Lord, this year, I want the grace and the favor and the financial provision to complete my building projects. Sometimes you can do that. But you must still respect his sovereignty. There's something called the sovereignty of God. You see, because where God is, he sees things you cannot see. And if you answer a prayer the way you wanted it, you won't like the ultimate outcome. You see, where God is, he sees the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. And some of the people you are telling God to use to bless you, if you knew what they would do to you in two years' time. But you can't see it now. You can't see it now. So God is saying, ah, this one? No, 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 no. Are you somebody else in China who doesn't know you? Because that person will do it without taking the credit and without undermining you. God answers prayer, but you must respect his sovereignty. Believe he will answer it. Expect the answer. But leave the rest to him. Sometimes you may see that he answered his brother through a particular, oh, I like this method. God won't use that method for you. You know, maybe somebody joined a choir and got a breakthrough. Then somebody too is going to join choir. Your own may not be in choir. Your own may be in uh, traffic control at the car park. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was telling me recently, on her birthday, she went to the mall. And then she met somebody. Nice guy. I said, what a blessing on a birthday. It doesn't mean you two on your birthday. <laughs> then you are going to the mall. And then you are walking. You will see anybody. Maybe you on your birthday, you should lock yourself in your room. Put off your phone and pray. Somebody else on your birthday, you should go to an orphanage and donate to orphanage. You have to learn to follow God. Stop trying to copy people. That's what I, I, I tell all the time. Don't let people direct what you do. Don't let people do that. Sometimes it's very common in church. Somebody comes to you and says, oh, oh, this woman helped me, paid my fees. Everybody's rushing to the same person. One day I told a, a pastor friend of mine, oh, this man helped me. That was the mistake of my life. That was a mistake of my life. And God can give me favor before this woman to do something for me. And you can go and cry the next 10 years. And that's why we get angry with people all the time. This person is wicked. It's favor. If God touched the person, he would do it. Even if you don't go and cry. Even if you don't call him 10 times a day, he would do it. But if God doesn't touch him too, you're just worrying yourself. You're just worrying yourself. So God hears prayer. Everybody say, God hears prayer. Now, number two, God answers prayer. Now, number three, God answers prayer on the basis of his word. So when we say powerful prayer, what do we mean? Is it the one that the person is sweating? You know, sometimes I, I, go, to, I go to prayer meetings, and see that some people, they just want to show off. They are sweating. And then there's something I've seen in some places, they'll be doing like this. 
I said, ah, is it is Jama we are doing? I wonder, what was secondary school? That's, what, that's how we used to do Jama. Hey. A powerful prayer is not how you shout. That, is, that doesn't mean shouting is wrong. Hello? There are times when you need to shout. In fact, the Spirit will prompt you to shout. Powerful prayer is not even how long you prayed. It doesn't mean long prayers is wrong. Long prayer is very important, but how powerful a prayer is, it's not about how much you sweat. It's not even about how you cried. It doesn't mean sometimes you shouldn't cry in prayer. Sometimes you should. But it is not the tears that will do the thing. It is, a prayer is powerful when it is prayed scripturally. The prayer request or the topic is made on the basis of what? Scripture. Number four, God cannot do anything on earth without the prayers of Christians. John Wesley said, he said, it looks like God can do nothing on earth unless Christians pray. Is it not interesting? Are you, Pastor, are you saying God cannot do anything? Yes. One day somebody asked me, when the devil was telling Eve to pluck the fruit and eat, was God there? Was God, did God see them? I said, yes, he saw them. Why didn't he stop them? Because he already told them. He already told them not to eat it, so that's it. When God created the earth... And he created mankind. There's something important he said. Genesis 1, verse 26. He said, let them have dominion over the earth. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have what? Dominion. The word dominion there means to govern. It means to rule. To rule. To rule. Yeah, one of the things that I know about Dr. Otabel is that if Dr. Otabel comes to LifeGate, and he hears, I'm not around. He won't get down from his car and come to the church. He'll go back. Why? Because the person he authorized here is not there. He will never bypass the pastor of the church to go and do anything in the church. Are you getting me? Yes. So when God said, let them have dominion, what is he saying? I've handed over the authority to rule the earth. I've handed it over to mankind. God cannot bypass mankind to come and do anything on the earth. He will be violating his own principle. Psalm 115 verse 16. And the heavens are what? That's why he has control. That's why when Satan wanted he said, cast him down to the earth. <laughs> the heaven and the heavens. That should tell you there are different kind of heavens. I taught that last year, remember? Because Apostle Paul said, I went to the third heaven. That means there is a first heaven, there's a second heaven, and there's a third heaven. The third heaven is where God lives. I can't explain that more because I thought of that last year. And the teachings are on my podcast platform, Spiritual Warfare, from part one to, I think, part seven. Listen to it. The heaven and even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, he has what? Given. Given. He, he gave it to mankind. So for God to move and do anything on earth, people must what? Pray. For God to, to do anything in Klagon here, we must pray. That's why anytime God wants to move in any area, he raises intercessors to pray. 
Now, the more serious one is, even in your own life, God can do nothing except you, you ask him to. God cannot violate your will to come and do something for you that you did not ask him. Now, if you ask him, he can give you more than what you asked. But if you don't ask, you get nothing. Now, that is why the Bible said, ask and what? It shall be given. That means if you don't ask, you get nothing. So that is why prayer is very important. If you say, oh, don't worry, God is in control, everything will be fine. Is he really in control? Think about it. Is God really in control of the earth? He is in control to the extent that we allow him. So every mess going on is because we allowed it. Christians are to be blamed for every mess going on on the earth. Okay, I'll give you another scripture. Um, give me Matthew 16, I think, uh, from verse 16. Move it to 17, let me see. Uh, I think I will read from verse 18. 18, 18. He said, and I said to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You understand the scripture very well. I thought of it last year. Okay, now look at verse 19. And I will give you what? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then what happens? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you... So heaven cannot bind anything on earth until you bind it first. So when you say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over my house. And I declare that no trespassing for demons. Heaven will say amen to that. Okay? Now, but you can also say, oh, the devil is a liar. He can never enter my house. God is in control. In fact, he can even make his headquarters in your house. Because the fact that you are a Christian does not mean everything is automatic. Yeah, everything operates in the spirit realm on principles. When you take authority over any space, heaven backs it up. Heaven can do nothing on the earth unless Christians. I say, I'll give you the keys. So everything going bad in your family and timely death can stop in your family through your prayer. You alone, your prayer. Yeah, in fact, I had a testimony this morning. Last Wednesday, during a church workers' prayer meeting, I said, let's pray for our family members. And let's pray, you know. That night, a member of our church brother had a terrible accident. If you see the car and a human being survived from it, he was showing, he said, oh, pastor, thank you for that prayer. Witchcraft should leave your family because you are there. Amen. You have the authority. Your children can become as good as you want it because you pray for them. You leave them without any prayer, I tell you, they will surprise you. Your children, they will surprise you. Everything, your business. Satan can take over your business completely because you don't pray for it. Satan can take over. One witch, one small girl who is a witch, or small boy, because not only ladies are witches. Let's be fair. One small boy who is a wizard can enter your company and take over the company. Whatever he says, that's what happens. Because you are not praying. All right, so let's look at the importance of prayer. Importance of prayer. Prayer is the best legitimate means of receiving from God. If you want your needs to be met, there is one legitimate way. 
Are there many means to meeting your needs? Yes. You can meet your needs by stealing, isn't it? Or defrauding or extortioning. Do you know what is extortion? Extortion, they don't defraud you, but they manipulate you and take all your money. For example, they will borrow from you and not pay. That's extortion. Please don't be an extortioner. Oh, I'm sick. I need money to give me money, and then I'll give it to you. I'm going to go to the hospital. If you borrow and due to constraints, you couldn't pay. It is not extortion. The why is the okay? People are writing. Okay, I wanted to ask why is the place quiet like that. If you borrow and due to constraints, you couldn't pay. Explain to the person to give you time. Hello, that is not extortion. Is you have planned that we mean to yeah. Have you met people like that before? Oh, yes. There are some people, just tell him, I dash you. Don't even worry yourself. You can jump to heaven and come. That money, you won't see it again. It's gone, Ashi. <laughs> but I want to say that there's a very legitimate way of getting your needs met, and that is to pray for it. James chapter 4, verse 2. Most of us know this scripture by now. He said, you last and do not have. You, you know what is last? Covetousness. You see somebody's car. Ah, it's nice, so. That is not covetousness. You're admiring it. Or when you see somebody's shirt, you say, ah, I wish I can, you can give it to me right now. That is covetousness. You see somebody's car. Ah, won't God talk to Bralex so that you give me that car. Do you know people pray like that in their mind? Tressa, that person there, he doesn't like good things. <laughs> Only you like good things. Everything you see in people's hands, you want it. There are some people like that. They see your phone. Hey, it's your phone. It's nice. So, hey. Hmm. I've been thinking of buying a phone for long ago. Things are difficult. They will start lamenting. They are just telling you, give it to me. <laughs> if he give it to you, what will he also use? They don't care. They don't care. Covetous people don't really care whether you have it or not. A covetous person will have 10. He sees one in your hands, he wants it to add to his 10 so that you have zero, he has 11. Thou shall not do that. Say amen to that. Yes. Thou shall not be covetous. He said, but when you last or when you covet, you, what happens? You do not have. You do not have. Number two, you murder. Uh -huh, the word covet is even there, I didn't know. You murder and covet. Do you know people will kill because of something they want? Oh, it's happening every day. Oh. Family property. They are grokaks this year. They will finish you. They will finish you. People will kill you to take what is yours. They will kill you because they want your husband. There are people who even pray that somebody's husband, somebody's wife should die. And they are, they have so much faith that God will answer that kind of prayer. <laughs> hey, Christians are very interested. <laughs> yes. There are some people right now who want your position at work. And if you don't pray, what's and means, they will kill you and say, how long is he going to be there? We to one man or the chop. We to we want some. People are killing. Christians, there's a better legitimate way to have than to kill. Please. 
please, don't destroy somebody because you want something. Hello? Yeah, God can give you more than that thing that somebody else has. God can give you more! How do you get more than what you see others have? Can I tell you? Celebrate what they have. Walk to the person and say, oh, this your car is nice. Congratulations. Be happy. Even if your heart is saying, no, 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 no. Who does he think he is? He's too no. Force your sense to go. <laughs> because that other voice, eh? That other voice is going to prevent you from ever having that kind of car. It is the devil trying to prevent you from ever having that kind of car. So, so resist that voice. Go to the person and say, oh, your car is fine. Your head is saying, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't talk like that. Your car is fine. I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Anytime you, whatever favor you celebrate, you attract. Any favor you celebrate, you attract. Any favor you criticize and condemn, you never attract it. You last and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask God. Sometimes I tell people, instead of wasting the rest of your life, lobbying from place to place, harassing people, people who have peace, why don't you just believe that God answers prayer? I, I've seen Christians who don't believe God can answer prayer. I see even men of God who don't believe God can answer prayer. Because their attitude tells you that human being has become God. But no human being is God. God can provide everything you want. Everything. You don't need to look poor to have your needs met. You can look good. You don't need to talk poor to attract blessings from people. You can tell somebody, oh, I just got a breakthrough of a million. If it's God that is touching them, you will be surprised how he will still give you. You know why some of us, we forever want to look poor? Because we think that sympathy instead of prayer is the means to getting your needs met. Sympathy doesn't bring anything. The only thing sympathy would give you is sorry. And if anything more, surplus. Surplus. People dish out surplus, substandard stuff to you, which you call a breakthrough. If you knew what God can give you, you won't call that kind of thing a breakthrough. God can give you much more. And everybody here, I want to tell you something. Pray, and after that, look good. And talk faith. And don't apologize for it. Look good. Talk faith. Appreciate God. Celebrate your life. And the right time when God wants to provide for you, he will provide. He will provide. He will provide. He will provide. A day is coming, you'll be, you'll be wondering, hey, did, what, 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 why was I worried about that? Why was I worried about a car? Hallelujah. A day is coming, you worry and say, hey, I never thought I can have a car. I remember when 2006, my wife and I, we moved to Accra. We moved from Jassy County to Accra. And we were perching in 
somebody's single room. We're now believing God to rent our own place. We're perching in somebody's um, boy's quarters in uh, Nungwa there. And then my wife had a dream. One, one day he told me, she said, she had a dream. Somebody came to give you a car, black. You know, I didn't hear that dream. <laughs> because where my, where my mind was that time, it was not about car. How to get place to lay my head? I don't have yet. I'm talking of car. <laughs> it looked like something that cannot happen that time. It looked like something that was impossible. But today, all the cars I have used, only one I bought myself with a loan. Only one I bought with a loan. The rest, gifts. And another one is coming. <laughs> yeah, so people of God, I want to tell you something. There is time for everything. Life is in phases. Life is in times and seasons. Don't rush. Don't rush. What is not there now will come later. But enjoy and celebrate life for now. And be patient. And keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Amen? It will come. It will come. Houses, oh, they will come. Money, it will come. Marriage, oh, you will be married soon. Don't worry. It's a matter of time. But you must know that the legitimate way to have it, pray for it. Don't steal it. You know why God said, thou shalt not steal? Because he has more than enough for you. When the right time comes, you will have it. So don't steal it. Don't defraud anybody. Don't kill anybody for money. Don't destroy anybody to get promotion at work. Don't destroy anybody for positions. Hello? Don't fight anybody. Don't fight for anything. God will give it at the right time. God will give it at the right time. Just pray, pray, pray. Your prayer will be answered. Amen. Your prayer will be answered. Number two importance of prayer. Prayer gives God a permission to perform. I've already spoken about that. Number three importance of prayer is a critical factor for a good relationship with God. Prayer is a critical factor for a good relationship with God. Now, communication is the life wire of every relationship. Is it true? In fact, if there's no communication between two people, it is described as conflict. If you see this man and wife, they came to church the whole day, they didn't talk to each other. Some people will read meanings. They will say, oh, let me say, because the only, the only proof of a good relationship is that two people are always talking to each other, isn't it? Talking to each other. So when you don't talk to God the whole weekend, it is suggesting that you and God, you are quarreling. <laughs> you and God, you have issues. So the question I want to ask is that, is there any issue? You, do you have issues with God? <laughs> so why have you not been praying? <laughs> Some of you, the only time you pray is if you have problems. The only time you pray if you have problems. So God, who loves you so much, he always wants you to pray. What would you think he would do? He'll always let you be in problems. Because that's the only way he will see you fasting. He will see you praying the night. You see, prayer is part of 
our relationship with God. Prayer is what give, reads the temperature of, every relation, of your relationship with God. Your prayer life. If I want to tell how close you are to God, the first place I look is your prayer life. Are you getting it? Please, do you understand? Because, you know, James 4 verse 8, James 4 8, he said, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. You initiate the action. How close you are to God depends on the effort you are making on daily, consistently. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Then he goes on to say, cleanse your hands. You see, <laughs> if you have a dynamic prayer life, you can't continue to sin. Is it true? See, when you are getting close to God, there are certain things that naturally you start feeling is wrong. I need to stop this. I need to change this. I need to change that. You will see that there are th- you, you feel guilty when you go into his presence doing the wrong things, telling lies, deceiving people, cheating people, conspiring against people. You know, you, you, you feel bad. You feel bad. Chasing people's husbands. If you are prayerful, you feel bad. Something will tell you, no, thou shalt not continue that. You feel bad. You feel bad if you propose to three girls at the same time. Telling all of them you love them. Meanwhile, you don't love any of the three. All you want is you want to sleep with them. You know, you know these days, the young guys, they know that if they don't tell, propose to you, you won't give them sex. Because today, our, our license to sex is proposal. So most of these ladies don't know that the guy is not in for marriage. He's just one sex. So, oh, I love you. I like you. I want to marry you. Will you marry me? You say yes. Okay, so let's go to bed. <laughs> and then after, after a few months of using you like trash, he will come one day and say, uh, I want to discuss something with you. <laughs> then he will, he will look very serious and say that... Uh, I'm going through some, some emotional issues and I wanted to tell that we should hold on with a relationship for now. Now, if you're a young man and all you do is propose to people you know you don't love them, you don't want to marry them, all you want to do is sleep with them. You see, you are a wicked person. And I have some scriptures for you <laughs> in, in this teaching. Maybe next week, next week, I'll get to it, so I'm not rushing today for you. And if you are a young lady and uh, a young man comes to you and says, I love you, it doesn't mean start removing your pants and start saying, what do you want? That means you are not a smart girl. Yeah, it means that you are not being smart because they will use you and dump you. And when you curse them, the curse will start with you (laughs) because you are also part... You are also an accomplice to the crime. I believe that I'm prophesying to some people. If you truly love somebody, respect the person's dignity by not touching the person till you marry. I can tell that when I proposed to my wife, I never had sex with my wife till we married. Never. 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 And before my wife said yes to me, I was in a relationship with how many? <laughs> Two other people. Hello? The first one, she broke up with me. 
The second one, I broke up with her. None of them I had any affair with. None of them. We didn't have any affair. So it was easy to say, that's it. No curses. No missiles. And because we didn't have any affair, nobody harmed his neighbor. It was a very respectful thing. The first one, she told me she, she has some personal issues. I said, fine. Uh, I mean, anything you want, I'm okay with it. So we broke up. We are still friends to today, even though she has regretted. <laughs> we are still friends. The second one, I broke up, and I want to, let me tell you why I broke up. She says God called her to start her own church. That's all. We didn't fight nothing. I mean, I really like that girl. But so my issue is, if you are the general of Asia, well, <laughs> then what am I going to be? <laughs> because at the time I met her, I was a pastor for like, I think, five years. And she was now a church member. Not a, even a pastor. So I was way ahead of her in ministry. In fact, I was teaching her a lot about ministry, but she kept insisting that God told her to start her own church. So I sat there and I one day I said, you know what? I cannot work under you. <laughs> so I am not called to start a church. So we are getting married. You are going to have to work with me. Whatever God has called you to do, I'll help you with it, but not to start a church. She said, no. Thank God we haven't had any affair. So we agreed to disagree. I don't owe any of them anywhere. The sad thing is that she still hasn't started the church. <laughs> she hasn't started the church up to now. One day she may start, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there when God spoke to her. But never in my life had an affair with somebody because I loved her. No. Hallelujah. I don't know why I came, I'm not talking about preaching, I'm married to her. I know why I'm talking about this. I think there's a young guy here that needs to hear this. Next week, I'll have time for you. Prayer is very important for our relationship with God. Don't say you are close to God when you don't pray. No. You are just deceiving yourself. A whole week, you haven't talked to God. You are far away. And when you don't talk to him, he also doesn't talk to you much. You see, anytime a prayerless person comes to you and says, God is speaking to him, it may be a familiar spirit. Be careful. Be careful people don't pray who said God is talking to them. Most of the time, it's not God. Either they fabricate it to manipulate you. If you pray regularly up to a point, God will be talking to you all the time. And we know seven different ways God speaks to us, isn't it? Yeah, he'll talk to you. The last one. Prayer enhances constant reliance on God. That's what I like about prayer. You see, that's why God will not solve all your problems in one day. He will not meet all your needs in one day. Why? Because he wants you to come every day. You remember the Lord's prayer? Jesus said, give us this day. He didn't say, give us the whole year. Because some of you, if God gives you the whole year's needs today, eh, he won't see you till 31st. So he won't make that mistake. He'll give you daily. He'll give you daily. But tomorrow you come. So that tomorrow you come. Every day. 
constant reliance on God. Amen? Amen. That, that means not, you don't put your trust in yourself and you don't put your trust in people. The prayerful people don't trust human beings. They respect people. They appreciate people. Hello? I'm not saying when people do good to you, you should not appreciate it. You should not show gratitude. Some of you are very ungrateful. So after all, it's God. No, it's God, but he used men. And that person could have decided not to do it. There are many of you here, God has spoken to people, to everybody, they have refused. So if one of them go out of his way to do good to you, thank God first and appreciate the person for what he has done. It ends there. It ends with appreciation. Not now making the person your God. There are some people I don't want to help again. Because there are some people, if you make a mistake to put your hand into your pocket and give them 100 CDs today, you are dead. Every day. Every day. They will harass you to, you say, oh, then I wish I had not given him the 100. Hello? Yes. Listen, there are people God will touch to take care of you for the rest of your life. Say amen to that. Oh, oh, yes, oh, yes, yes. There are also people God will touch to help you only once. And that's it. Amen. The people God touch to help you for the rest of your life, it is not your harassment that will make them do it. It's God touching their heart to do it. So it ends with appreciating the person for what he has done. The person won't have peace. Every day, <laughs> one day, a, a, a business friend of mine said, Ah, Osofu, there's a pastor harassing me here. Every day you call me like three times. What kind of behavior is that? Three times a day, calling one person. I just want to check. How many times will you check on somebody? He said, and the reason why that is happening is because God touched me to give him something very big. You didn't harass the person before he gave you. God touched him and he gave you. Some of you, you will meet people that you don't know. Even some you know, but you never imagine he will do something for you. God touched the person. It doesn't mean you should make the person regret and there are people in your life, God put them there because there's a need coming in the future. But you mess up before the, the real reason why God put the person there. You mess up before the time comes. There are people God will put in your life today. They may give you nothing today, but be quiet. There are people who even tell you, if you have any need, call me, but don't call. Because the time you will call, no, it's coming. Don't say, eh. <laughs> if I have need... As you call, eh? <laughs> Every day, call. Every day. Even if you want yogurt, you are calling. <laughs> then, three years from now, a very big need arrives. But you have displayed immaturity. You have made, the person is tired of your calls. So that day, you called. You say, this guy is about to ask for yogurt again. He won't pick the call. Meanwhile, that is the day you needed him to pick the call. He won't pick. Because you have harassed him. He's tired of you. <laughs> Prayer makes you rely on God constantly. Amen? Amen? David said, from whence will my help come from? My help shall come from the Lord who made heaven and the earth. Amen? So this one, we already know it, so let's forget about it. Prayer 
enables Christians to exercise authority us against Satan. I've preached, I, I taught on that last year. Rise up and let's pray for a few minutes. I want you to pray over your prayer life. Today, I just want you to pray over your prayer life. You need that the Spirit of God will, will anoint your prayer life and grant you more grace. One thing Satan hates is prayer. Satan hates prayer a lot because he knows how much you stand to gain when you pray. Hallelujah. Um, give me Zechariah 12.10. Zechariah 12.10. It says, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of what? Grace and supplication. And we know supplication is prayer, isn't it? Okay. So I will pour on the spirit of, on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. There's an anointing that comes from people that makes them pray. And I'm praying that anointing will come on your life. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So that you can pray. Anytime God wants to change somebody's destiny, he gives them that anointing. Destinies change in the closet of prayer. Can I say that again? Destinies change in the closet of prayer. If you want to see real dynamic change in your life, the place where it change is the closet. The prayer closet. And today, um, I, want, I want you to pray and ask God that that grace, the grace for prayer, the grace that makes prayer easy and exciting, that prayer is no more a struggle in your life, that you can have a dynamic prayer life. Jesus was a prayerful person. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you lift up your voice and pray quickly? Everybody pray. Everybody pray. For the spirit of grace. The grace for supplication and for prayers. Lift up your two hands, everybody. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning for the anointing for prayer who come over this house and come upon every member of the church. Everyone whose hands are lifted up right now, and all those who are watching us online, I pray for them. Amen. Holy Spirit, touch people. Amen. Grant them the grace for prayer. Grant everyone the grace for prayer. Amen. Receive the anointing for prayer. Amen. Receive the anointing for prayer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Holy Spirit, release that grace mightily now. Amen. Release that grace mightily now. Release that grace mightily now. Amen. Release that grace mightily now. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Release that grace now. Amen. Everybody receive that anointing for prayer. Receive the anointing for prayer. In the name of Jesus. Amen. From today, I pray special grace on your prayer life. Amen. Special grace on your prayer life. Amen. Special grace on your prayer life. Receive special grace on your prayer life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord.
Not in church. They used to do it at shrines. We break that in Jesus' name. Our ancestors used to do it every year. They take animals. The poor ones take fowl. The rich ones take sheep and cow. Some even take some even take human blood. family in the name of Jesus Jeremiah we haven't closed if you need an envelope just wave at the ushers just wave sit where you are and wave if you need an envelope sit where you are and wave maybe maybe you don't have money here to do it still take the envelope and write it and come and put them come bring that prayer today next week I may not do it Later you can bring you can you can bring an offering to later by yourself. But just take an envelope. Everybody, I want everybody to do it. Front and back. Father side at the front. Mother side on the other side. 
go to the house of the Rechabites. Look at this. Speak to them. And bring them into the house of the Lord. Into one of the chambers. And give them wine to drink. Bless, can you give it to the ushers and then sit down? God said to Jeremiah, go to the house of a man called Rechab. Bring his children to the house of God. To the temple. The temple is supposed to be a place of blessing. Hallelujah. Give them wine to drink. Look at their response. Then I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Abazinia, his brothers, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. So it was a whole house. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdalia, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, above the chamber of Marseilles, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. Then I said before the sons of the house of Rechabite, bowls full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink wine. Where was this happening? In the temple. In the presence of men of God. Listen to your response. But they said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, you shall drink no wine, you nor your sons, forever. You shall not build a house. You shall not sow seed. <laughs> that means no investment. You shall not plant a vineyard. That means don't establish any business or industry. Nor have any of this. But all your days you shall dwell in tents. That you may live many days in the land where you are. Who told that if you build a house, then you will not live long? Now look at that. Hello? There was a parental indoctrination that became the culture of a particular family. To live long, be poor. I've seen it before. Some people tell you, when you are ready, you become the target. Yes, I prefer to be the target Hello. <laughs> I prefer to be the target. God is protecting me rich than to be poor. Amen. Amen. You shall drink no wine. The Jews use wine when they are doing celebrations, parties. That's why Jesus went to the wedding. The wine was short. He 
produced some quickly. Amen? Of course, it wasn't alcoholic. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, because, because the master of the ceremony said so. You brought the best at the last minute. It wasn't alcoholic. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. But this man's, these people, they were, now, my, my, the reason why I want you to see this is that even in the temple, before men of God, their house was still controlling them. The house they came from was still controlling them. Are you getting me? That's why we are doing this today. Do you understand? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus over every family name that is on this altar that you will visit these families. Visit these families. Redeem these families. Transform these families. Liberate these families. Curses over these families, I break them. In the name of Jesus, I command negative culture in every family to be destroyed. I pray, Lord, that you visit every family. Let there be salvation. Let there be the move of the Spirit. Let mighty, mighty, mighty men and women emerge in these families. Let every stronghold of Satan be destroyed and broken. In the name of Jesus, I pray the blessing of God into every family. I pray the blessing of God into every family. I pray the blessing of God. Because of you, may God visit your family. And bring salvation. And bring prosperity. And bring peace. Every curse be broken. Every curse of poverty be broken. Every curse of untimely death be broken. Every curse of limitation and failure be broken. Every curse over any family here, I command that curse to break. In the name of Jesus. And I declare divine exemption over your life from any evil in your family. Receive divine exemption. What stop others in your family will not stop you. In the name of Jesus. What destroy others in your family will not destroy you. In the name of Jesus, I declare over your life that God's blessings will prevail over your life, over and above every other limitation in Jesus' name. Amen.